beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside Dr. Joshua Black. Uh, we're here today and we get an, to do another interview with another amazing person. Her name is Penny Hunt. Uh, Penny is an inspirational, entertaining, cutting edge and high content speaker. She is a member of the National Speakers Association, Women's Speakers Association, and the president and founder of Journey Through LLC. Her weekly blog, Writings from the Corner of Spirit and Brave, is read by thousands of people worldwide. She is, an, she is author of the book, Love Your Life No Matter What, 76 Tips to Live Life with Love and Gratitude. After a series of life-changing events, including the death of her child, Penny left her career as executive director of a statewide nonprofit where she spoke locally and nationally on, on healthcare recruitment. She now writes and speaks about how to change, heal, and empower your life. Penny, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I am honored to be here. We're honored to have you. Um, so let's get into it. Let's talk about your loss first as it was the catalyst for your change. Uh, walk us through what that was like, uh, losing your son. Sure. Well, I'll, and I'll step back just a little bit before that. I was the executive director of a, a statewide nonprofit, a very busy job. I travel statewide and nationally on the road a lot and working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And then I received a call that my dad was very ill, in fact, dying. And I it makes you look at life differently when something like that happens. And the last three months of his life, I became one of his caretakers and traveled back and forth from Wyoming where I lived to Arizona where he was and then he ultimately passed away and I was with him when he passed and it was an incredible experience um, during that moment and I came back thinking I needed to slow my life down and of course um, I did I quit working so many hours I was doing a 45 minute commute in Wyoming winter weather is um, snowy and cold and icy roads and, and crazy driving. <clears throat> so I started working from home a little bit. And then as life creeps back as it does, I began working more and more and saying yes to all the meetings and speaking engagements. And then my son passed away. And uh, my son struggled with addiction. And during the time of my dad's illness, it was not only a crazy job, but helping my dad die, which is exactly the way I look at it, I helped him pass, and dealing with my son's addiction and his struggles. And then when he passed, it was very different. It was the phone call out of the blue that I didn't expect. And um, then I had another benchmark and thought I was really going to change my life. So I ultimately left my position. I took a year and just thought about what I wanted to do. And I knew I had a mission that I wanted to help people. And that was my mission statement. And I didn't know what that was going to look like. I had been a speaker and done some writing, and those were my two loves. And I knew I wanted to speak about what I felt was important in life and how to use my experiences to help others. And what happened towards the end of my job before I left, I would go out for lunch and negotiate a contract very quickly and then spend 90 minutes talking to the person about their life and their um, children and their family and their issues. And they were looking at me like, how are you even getting out of bed in the morning with everything you've been through, let alone you're happy? And so I would teach them the tips and techniques that I taught myself really out of self-preservation after my son passed away and they seemed to work for me and they were working for others and then I realized that was when I felt alive and that was what I needed to do with my life. Well, that's so interesting and I want to go go back then. So what happened once your son died? What kind of emotions did you feel and then how did you figure out some of these ways to help yourself? Well, as you can imagine, um, I had been through some loss in my life. I had lost a baby in the late stages of pregnancy before my son was born um, back in the 79. And that was devastating. I had lost grandparents and I had lost a very one of my very best friends in um, the late 90s. So I had experienced grief before. When my dad passed away, of course, it's not pleasant. It's not a, a good situation, but we expect our parents to do that eventually at some point. You don't expect your child to die. And so 
I was devastated. Um, it put me on the floor in a dirty place where I knew I could not survive. I hold a very high, I call it a happiness set point, where I am have been called Perky Penny and Pollyanna and <clears throat> various things my whole life because I'm a happy person. So when he passed and I was devastated and really on my belly on the ground, I knew I couldn't survive there. And I also knew that um, people could say, boy, Penny really changed after her son passed away. She's just not the same. She can't get out of bed. And I didn't want that to happen because I, I wanted to honor my son in a different way than that. And so I it was just really forcing myself to get out of bed, forcing myself to live in gratitude. And I will tell you two things saved my life during that period. I had begun meditating when my dad became ill. And that helped me get through the crazy time of my life then, dealing with my son and my dad and, and a crazy job. And then right after my son passed away, I realized that I needed to live in gratitude. And I began saying out loud as much as I possibly could how grateful I was to be his mom for 22 years. Instead of dwelling on, oh my gosh, why me? Why him? How, how could this happen? I would say it to everybody. I'm so lucky. I'm so grateful that I got to be his mom. Nobody else in this universe can stand up and say they got to be his mom except me. And I'm so grateful for that. And that was the catalyst for everything else that I did. How can I live more in gratitude? How can I um, see things in a different way? How can I get out of bed and put one foot in front of the other and help other people who are dealing with this so that this is not just the end of my story and nothing else happens in my life. So what was it about gratitude that really helped you move forward? Because a lot of people say, you know, just be happy or just think good thoughts. Like, was is that it? Or is there more to it that helped you get out of bed and do what you needed to do? No, I think there is more to it than just saying, okay, I'm going to be happy. Um, I think living in gratitude and having a mindset of gratitude keeps you from being in fear. And I believe that you can't live in fear and love at the same time. And love plays out in a lot of different ways. Love is gratitude. Love is faith. Love is grace. And fear is anger and hate and depression. And so when you're living in gratitude, I couldn't stand up and say, oh, I am so grateful he was my son. And at the same time be thinking, but poor me, poor him, why did he have to die? Your mind can't be in two places at the same time. And so it was that concentration on gratitude. And there were so many tips and things that I started doing. I can share some of those with you. Yeah, please do. Okay. One of the things, um, I would start my day and still do this. When I open my eyes in the morning, I lay in bed and go through my list of gratitude. Thank you for my children. And I name people by name. Thank you for uh, my life. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the meeting I'm going to have or the person I'm going to talk to on the phone today. Thank you for the sandwich I'm going to have for lunch. And I would lay there and actually visualize my entire day saying thank you with every step of the day. And I end my day the same way. I lay in bed and of course, at, during grief you have trouble sleeping and lots of people have sleep issues. And so I teach people to lay in bed and go through your gratitude list again. Because the mistake we make is we lay in bed and we think of all the things we didn't get done and we didn't do and all the things that are wrong with our life and all of our worries. And if we lay in bed and we think about what we're grateful for, again, naming people by name, naming issues by name, visualizing in your mind, I tell people, why in the world would you want to count sheep that you don't even know when you can count the people that you love and care for in your life and the situations that you adore? And that helps you sleep. Another thing, a technique that I've taught for years, and I call it the breath of green. And I, I used to run an organization that recruited doctors, so I understand mainstream medicine, but I also understand alternative medicine. And chakras in your body are the energy systems that run up and down your body. And your heart chakra, we think of the heart as red and pink and valentines and roses, but the heart chakra is actually green. And so I call it the breath of green. It is actually a one breath meditation. Nobody knows you're doing it. And what I ask people to do is whenever you see green, take a breath in. Breathe in green, fresh, cleansing 
air. And when you exhale, exhale all your worries, all the dirt, all the depression, all the ugly stuff that you're carrying inside. And so you breathe in love, you breathe out fear. And you can do this everywhere. When you're going um, to work and you, you're stopped at a green light and you see green, breathe in love. When it turns red, breathe out fear and go. I, um, it's reticular thinking. Once you start thinking about green, you will start seeing green everywhere. If you're afraid to do presentations and you're not the one half of 1% of people that really love to get up and speak like I do, and you have a presentation to do, look around the room. There will be somebody wearing a green sweater or have a green pen or your junk mail will come in a green envelope. Every time you see green, breathe in love, breathe out fear. And I tell people, if you do this for a week and it hasn't changed your life, call me because you're doing it wrong. And I will tell you how to do it right. But these are the kind of little tips and techniques that don't cost anything that I teach and that really saved my life. That's amazing. It's amazing how you found a way through doing your own thing. Cause some people will, they may not go for green, but they see red or something, or they just right. want to like, or they see their loved one in different places, like memories and stuff. So it's really about sitting in that love, like reminding yourself about what love is and where you are in that. I think that's beautiful. And I know like when you, you have a blog and you wrote a letter to your son every year, and a lot of that, when I was reading that, a lot of it was about gratitude. So what started you to actually then, you know, start the blog and then write a, a letter to your son? Well, when I left my position, I took a year and I just sat and thought about what I wanted to do and how I wanted to help people and what I wanted that to look like. And I knew I wanted to incorporate writing and speaking because those are two things that I'm fairly good at and I love to do. So um, the blog is called Writings from the Corner of Spirit and Brave. And if you look at my website, the header picture is a street sign. And that is actually my street sign. I moved um, to a different community after my son passed away and I was walking to the mailbox and it took me about three months and I finally looked up and realized I live on the corner of Spirit and Brave. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I believe there's signs in life and um, that was smacking me in the face. And so that became the title, the name of my blog. Um, the very first blog I ever wrote was in 2013 and I hit the publish live button on my website on my son's birthday. And the very first blog is, is about him and finding peace within and how I was doing this to honor my son. And so um, I just started writing with a big fear that, oh, my gosh, what if somebody reads this? And I remember I came out and told my husband that 11 people read my blog. And he said, 11 people you don't know? And I said, yeah, I wonder who they are. And since then, it has grown. I have people from um, so many different countries read my blog. And I get emails and private messages through Instagram and Twitter. And I write about deep um, love, about deep things that happen, about grief. And and I write um, about happiness. And so I get a lot of one-on-one -on -one messages from people that don't want to put their information out there by saying, you know, responding below my blog or sending me a, a message on Facebook, but they'll do it privately. And so I spend a lot of phone time with just people I don't know when I know that they're hurting and maybe I can help. And I drink a lot of coffee and <laughs> meet people with coffee and um, do that. But it was really all to honor my son and to help other people that are going through that kind of grief and tragedy. That's incredible. And I, I listening to what you're talking about, I think that, you know, call them what you want, tech, these techniques, you know, part of coping mechanisms, you know, but these are really important things that to learn when, you know, when you're going through tough times, you know, trauma, sorrow, grief, uh, traumatic life events. You know, my grandmother recently died and um, we, we had the chance to sit with her before she died. And, you know, sitting there uh, with her, you know, the mind goes into a lot of different places, can have a lot of fear, like you said, come into it but you know i would pull back and and think about uh moments in her life and let you know us together and and feel gratitude and it's the gratitude that kind of that pushes you forward that that compels you to kind of keep moving and it, it just it definitely brings you more it brings you peace it brings a calmness into your life and i think 
that having that gratitude, you know, when everything's great, you know, it, it, it's, it's hard to see the value sometimes, but like in your daily practice, like you said, and in, in what you're doing, it just, it, it becomes that much more important when, when tragedy hits, when, when, you know, reality comes into play. Right. I wanted to ask you actually about the tattoo that you got um, about your son. Can you talk, talk to us about that? Sure. I, um, if you met me in person, you probably wouldn't think I was the tattoo kind of person, but it was his um, first birthday after he passed. And my daughter, um, JT was my baby. He's the youngest. I have an older son and an older daughter. And my daughter and I spend every birthday together since he's passed, um, every one of JT's birthdays. And the first year we decided we were going to get a tattoo and we wanted to get a memorial tattoo. And I had found a card that he had sent me flowers once and he had signed it, Love JT. So I took this card and I had this vision I wanted a heart because JT's entire life, I told him we were joined at the heart because I knew when he was in trouble. I knew when happy things were happening with him. I just could feel it in a different way than I could with my other kids. And I always said, we're joined at the heart. So you're never going to get away with anything because I always feel everything that you feel. And so I got this little tiny heart tattoo right over my heart. And um, it says, love JT in his writing. And I included a picture of that tattoo on that um, blog writing that I did recently. And so I always, you know, whenever I just put my hand, like we're saying the Pledge of Allegiance here or something in my hand is over my heart, I know we're still joined at the heart because I absolutely believe that I call it a golden cord that especially a mother has when she carries a baby. And just because the birthing happens and they're separated from our body, that golden cord is never broken. And I knew when he passed away, um, the story of my son, he had been in rehab more than once. He was out and um, living in a sober environment and had a job and was doing pretty well, but still sad and struggling. And I had talked to him, and he was living in South Dakota, actually close to my mom. He was supposed to show up at her house um, and help her move that weekend. And I had done a recruitment workshop, which was something I did every year with my job. And I told him I couldn't talk to him the next day. I'd be doing the workshop all day, and but, I, but I'd talk to him the day after. And I kept trying to call, couldn't get him. There was no response, and I knew something terrible was wrong. In fact, the day after the workshop, I came to work and I, I felt like the energy of my body had been drained. And I told my staff, I don't feel sick. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I have to go home because I have absolutely not one ounce of energy. And he was found in his apartment and had been there two days when he was found. And the people that lived by him called the police for a welfare check, a wellness check. They said, everybody knows him. Everybody loves him. We haven't seen him for two days and his television's on. And so they had to break into his apartment and found him in bed. And it just looked like he went to sleep. But when the um, we got the call and I talked to the coroner and the police officer that found him, I said, they said, we're not sure yet the time of death. And I said, I can tell you exactly when it was, because when every ounce of energy drained from my body, that's when my child left. And I knew it. And so um, it wasn't a mystery to me, his time of passing. So I think that golden cord stays with us. And I still I still continue to feel that for him for, from him. Um, I get a lot of messages from him. He's really good at manipulating music. He was a musician and license plates and things like that. And so I still many times feel him around me. And your work with the grief dreams, um, I don't even know how I stumbled onto your work, but I was fascinated because I've had several dreams and that's how we connected um, for this podcast to talk about those dreams and how they have played out. Yeah, oh, that's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, quick comment: the uh, the heart that you put on your chest was it green or was it red? Oh, actually, it's red. Um, what? That's oh, a good point. <laughs> that that is a good point. That's funny. Nobody has mentioned that. I have never thought of that either. But um, 
well, if you would have mentioned that, you know, <laughs> 12 years ago, it probably would be great. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how, you know, people find each other. And I believe we found each other through Instagram, if I'm not mistaken. And it's just, uh, it's amazing how, you know, you've had these dreams. So can you share some of the dreams or some of the more um, meaningful dreams you've had when it comes to your son? Sure. Um, it's a it's a long connection here, but I will tell you, I mentioned the baby that I lost and that was um, a boy and his name was Jake. That was the name we had chosen for that baby boy. And that was before um, JT was born. In fact, I had my daughter after that and then JT was born. And JT out of my three children was the only one that had imaginary friends. And he played with imaginary friends, talked to them. And one of his best friends, his imaginary friend was named Jake. And I always thought this was fascinating that Jake was there with him and following him around and that they chit chatted all the time. And it was never lost on me that the baby I lost was Jake and that his friend was Jake. And so JT was this magical person who, if his friends were in trouble, it wasn't, oh yeah, Joe's in trouble. He would feel their pain. He felt it as deeply as if it was his own. And if somebody was in trouble and needed help, he might forget that he needed to go to school because he had to go help his friend. I mean, he cared about people in a different way. And he understood my meditation. He understood my um, all my beliefs and things that I did. And so I really feel like it's those kind of people that have that level of sensitivity that very often have addiction issues. And I think that was part of his problem. I say he was like an electrical wire that was cut and splashing in water and sparking. He had all of this coming at him and felt it at such a deep feeling and didn't know what to do with it. And so the self-medication of his addiction um, played into that. But when he was, oh, 14, 15, I got this little shit to named Yoji. And she was just this little tiny furball, looked like a hamster. And when I brought her home, he said, let's name her Spike. And I said, we are not naming this little cute puppy Spike. And he said, no, but that's the point. It's so little and cute and it, the name doesn't fit. So that's why we should name her Spike. And he brought me home this little leather collar with spikes on it and said, this is going to be hilarious. Well, we named her Yoji, but the Spike joke was always there. JT's friends always called her Spike. He would call her Spike. And so... Yoji, after he passed, became my salvation. I was divorced at the time and living alone, and Yoji really saved my life. So she had been through so much with me. She had been through my dad passing, the loss of my son, um, a divorce. She had been through so much with me, and I adored this dog. So when Yoji passed away um, a couple years ago, I was devastated, absolutely devastated. And I thought, I'm remarried now, my husband and I thought, well, we'll get another dog, but we're going to wait a while because we have to get through this grieving process. And then this trail of magic started happening. It started with my daughter sent me a text, and she has identical twin boys. And one of the boys said, the text read, Brady just said that grandma's getting a new Yoji puppy on Tuesday. And she said, is that true? And I kind of laughed when I saw the text and said, well, I will get another Yoji puppy someday, but it's not going to be Tuesday. Well, in the meantime, I had um, contacted some breeders because I wanted another Shih Tzu, and they were all a year out, at least a year out in the waiting process. And so I put my name on the list and thought, that's fine. I don't want one today. In a year, maybe we'll be ready for a puppy. So the text was kind of humorous. And the next thing that happened was I had a dream and I had a dream that was so clear and so real and I often dream in color, but this one was like it wasn't a dream, like it was really happening. And I had a dream that Yoji had had puppies next to my bed. Now, Yoji was a female, but she had been spayed since she was a puppy, never had a litter. And so there was this basket next to my bed of puppies, but the only one I could see was this white and copper puppy. And that's what I had decided I wanted was a white and copper Shih Tzu. And so Yoji had had these puppies and then she started walking away from me. And in the dream, I was yelling at Yoji saying, if you're going to have these puppies, you've got to get back here and take care of them. And she just kept turning around and shaking her head at me. No, just like she knew I would take care of them. 
So I reached down and picked up the only puppy I could see, this white and copper one, and I was holding it. And the whole dream, I was telling Yoji to come back and take care of them. So the next morning, the dream was so real that I had like a two-hour conversation with my husband about how come this dream was so real? What do you think this means? And this is just crazy. Well, it was about two days later, we were watching TV one evening, and I received an email from one of the Shih Tzu breeders I had contacted with a picture of a white and copper puppy. And she said, I have a female available. Would you be interested in this puppy? And I opened it on my iPad, and as you can make the screen bigger, I looked at this puppy's eye, and I could see Yoji. It was, I mean, I know Shih Tzus look alike, but it was Yoji's eye. And I kept hearing in my mind, Grace, Grace. So I sent the um, email to my husband, and he did the same thing. He made it bigger, and he looked at this puppy's eye, and he looked at me and said, what are we going to do? And I said, I don't know, because we had resigned to the fact of not having another puppy soon. Well, the next thing that happened, we started a conversation back and forth with this breeder, and we found out that she indeed had a one- to two-year waiting list of people that wanted puppies. But she said this puppy was the runt of the litter. It didn't. She didn't think it was going to survive. She had spent nights and nights up hand-feeding it, nursing this puppy to health. And she said there's something about this puppy. I keep saying she's an angel. And she was naming, she called her Emma. But she said, there's something about this puppy. And when I went to my list of people on my waiting list, it was like, you, this puppy was for you. I kept being drawn to you that this was for you, this puppy. So um, I thought, oh, this is just getting stranger and stranger. Then she told me that the puppy's mother's name was B. And I had a scrapbook about Yoji and I ran and got it. And Yoji's mother's name was B. Now, Yoji passed on January 25th. This puppy was born on January 30th. So it just kept getting more and more strange until the fact that we just decided, you know, this was our puppy. There's no getting around it. And so, of course, we picked her up. And the fact that the reader was named, had named her Emma, my son had a daughter that was nine months old when he passed away. And her name is um, Amelia, and I call her Emmy. And I thought this is just too weird that she's named this puppy Emma and I call my granddaughter Emmy and all these um, things that were adding up. So we got the puppy. She was adorable. And the morning after I got her, I took her over to my daughter's house. Remember, my daughter has the twins that started this text about getting a puppy. So they played with her and thought she was great. And as I was leaving, I said, okay, everybody say goodbye to Gracie. I'm going to take her home. And she has three little boys. They all lined up and said goodbye. And Brady, who had started this initial text, came up to me and he petted her and he said, goodbye, Spike, Spikey, Spike. Now, remember, my son, when he was alive, he called Yoji Spike. My grandson had no idea of this story. And I was stunned. I looked at my daughter and both of our mouths dropped. And I looked at my grandson, who was four, and I said, Brady, why did you call this puppy Spike? And he said, I don't know. I just felt like it. And I looked at my daughter, and I knew the circle had been closed. The story was complete, that this dream was not a dream, that I am convinced this puppy was brought to me by my son, and Yoji <laughs> manipulated this. And it, the dream still, I can still see it in my mind like it was a movie that I saw and that I lived it, that it was real, that it wasn't just a dream. That's amazing. It's amazing how, you know, you're giving guidance to get a new puppy almost before you're ready. So do you feel now that that was actually good? Like, do you ever look back and say, oh, maybe like, why, why was it not later? Um, no, because I think it was, well, if you want to know what I really believe, I think this dog is, Yoji has come back to us because there's so much about her that is like Yoji. The fact that she was born within days from the day that um, Yoji passed, the fact that um, my grandson called her Spike, that my son used to call Yoji, I just think it was a grace in action and it was she was supposed to be here and we have never regretted it once. Oh, so you think it's like a reincarnation of the soul? I think, yes. Oh, that's pretty cool. So if that's the case, how do you feel now 
with with the dog do you view it as the same dog do you give it the same toys and play with the same or have you do you treat it a little differently based on maybe well yoji was black and white and this one is copper and white so she looks a little different she's a little bigger than what yoji was and oftentimes you know as if you have more than one kid you call the kids by the wrong name it took me um, the first year, I half the time called her Yoji. In fact, I told my husband we should have just named her Yoji because it's easier <laughs> to call her that. But, you know, there she definitely has differences. Um, and like I said, Shih Tzus all kind of look alike, but we definitely think she was guided here. And, mm. you know, maybe she's not 100% Yoji, but there is certainly a lot of Yoji in her. That's so interesting. I think there was, wasn't there a movie based on that? something a dog's life or something where the dog keeps coming back yeah it talks yes it talks about how dogs keep coming back and keep coming back in different lives and um it's a fascinating story yeah i think it's just you know it's amazing that you know you have that belief and it helps you as you move forward to with your grief and it makes the world a beautiful place it makes you see green everywhere you know like those are the things that help you stay sane and stay love love and to be able to help people in their times of need. So that's pretty cool. You have like these kind of experiences in your life. I'm so I'm curious because I don't remember you talking about the dream of your son. <laughs> and so I would like you if you could um, share a dream that you had of your son. Sure. Well, I've had um, several dreams since he passed away and he passed in 2007. So it's been a while. And, you know, we all want that. And I don't think it matters if you're a parent or what your relation to the one who passed is that everybody wants to hear from them. And especially the circumstance of my son's passing that he was alone in his apartment and we don't really know the details of um, what happened that last day. And so, of course, I wanted to know. I wanted to know every minute. I wanted him to come to me. And the dreams that I've had of him are really interesting. I had one dream, I was doing a scrapbook about him and I had his billfold and I um, was taking things out of his billfold and he had a dollar and a dime in his billfold and my husband always says you can get to heaven on a dollar and a dime but um, we I found a phone number a scrap piece of paper with a phone number on it in his billfold and so um, I had had this dream ironically about him being a little boy and he was searching for his billfold and he was frustrated and he was looking all over the house. Where's my billfold? I can't find my billfold. And again, it was one of those very clear, very vivid dreams that didn't seem like a dream. It felt like I had actually experienced it. And um, so I had been working on this scrapbook and then I found his billfold after the dream and found this scrap piece of paper with a phone number. And at first I was kind of hesitant to call but I Googled it, you know, in our technology and Googled the phone number and found out it was an artist that lives in South Dakota who um, is a very world-known artist and he has a art studio there. And so I sent him an email and I said, I don't know what this means, but my son, this is who my son was. He passed away. I found your phone number in his billfold and it wasn't 10 minutes and this artist immediately answered my email and said, of course I know your son. He used to come and visit me. He liked to hang around my studio and talk about the universe. Now, I don't know if that dream came to me so that I would use his billfold in the scrapbook, or I kind of believe it was to connect me with this artist so that I understood that JT was learning about what was more than this life that we saw and that he was talking to people about that. But that was one dream that I had that was very clear. Oh, that's super cool. That's so interesting. Do you think you would have called that number if you didn't have that dream? Um, I think I would have, I think I would have connected with the number, but I don't think I would have looked for his billfold if I hadn't mm. had that dream. Oh, interesting. That's so cool. That's so amazing. It's nice to, to learn a little bit more about the people we love based on conversations with other people, right? So when I, when I heard that story, I'm like, oh, wow, like you get to learn something new about what your son talked about with other people other than you. Absolutely. And that happened over and over again after he passed. I had a minister call me. We um, 
I'm in Wyoming. He passed in South Dakota, and we had the funeral in South Dakota, which is where we were all originally from. And when we were in um, South Dakota planning the funeral, I had a minister call me, and he said, I need to talk to you. I knew your son, and he he cost me a lot of money. Now, remember, my son had addiction issues, and I'm thinking, oh, no, he was borrowing money from a minister. And he met with me, and he said, no, I would come to church in the morning just during the week, any morning, and he would be sitting on the steps of my church at 7 o'clock and say, there's a family with four kids in this community, and they can't pay their light bill, and your church needs to help them. And his church would go find this family and give them money. And stories like that came to me over and over again that I had no idea about my son. And so in 22 years, he touched so many people. And in fact, um, here is another interesting thing about my son he always said from the time he was little that he wasn't going to live to be 25. He said it all the time and to the point of where it would irritate all of the rest of us. And um, my older son, the last time we were all physically together, my older son had a baby girl seven weeks before JT's baby girl was born. We were all together with the babies and my older son said, JT, it's going to be so much fun watching these girls grow up. And JT said, I'll never see her grow up because I'm not going to live that long. And my son my older son said, JT, why do you always say that? Just stop saying that. And he said, because I know I won't. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll tell you one more dream that I had. When my kids were little, I always had this recurring dream that I was um, planning a funeral and burying one of my children. And my mother made quilts. And I never in the dream saw my child's face. But I was always tucking a quilt in a casket. And it was always JT's quilt. And I had that dream for years while my kids were growing up. Wow, that's so interesting. And how did, do you think that prepared you at all for the death that uh, came with um, I think it used to, sorry, it used to scare the bejeebers out of me because I'd wake up and think, why am I always dreaming this? And I didn't want to dream it. I, of course, you don't want to think about your child dying or planning a funeral and um, again, it was one of those that the clarity of tucking his quilt in, he liked horses and cowboy things when he was little and my mom had made him a quilt with horses on it. And the clarity of that quilt and tucking it in around the casket without ever seeing his face, that having that feeling and that emotion over and over again in this recurring dream was something that I just really wanted to get rid of. And it took me a while I didn't remember that immediately after JT passed, but in the grief process at some point, it just struck me that, oh my gosh, I knew this was going to happen. I've known this for years because it was always his quilt. And then how did you process that? Like, how does that, does that work with your spiritual beliefs? You know, I think it's magic. I think when I sit back and look at it, it's not always the messages that we want to get, but I think there is this mystical, magical part of our world and our universe that we just um, ignore and don't pay attention to. Now, had I been paying more attention to it, I would have you know, been petrified to think this is going to come true. At the time, I just thought this is a creepy dream I keep having. But I think looking back at my life now, the connections and the breadcrumbs that were left along my life that led to the outcome of stories that have come true in my life is a magical, um, just it's a magical process to look back and see how the connections are made in our life. That's a, that's a great way to put it. And I'm just like, just hearing your story about, you know, you, you seek, you seek certain things, you know, you're, you know, you look, you look at the breadcrumbs, you look for the color green, you're, you're open to these ideas. You know, you're looking at your own life and you're looking at your own destiny and you're looking at what's, what's, what's unfolded around you. And I think a lot of people can, you know, you can choose to take the pessimistic view or, or take the view that like, you know, especially with, you know, with the dog, you know, there was a lot of things in there, a lot of signs, a lot of kind of breadcrumbs if you will that 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 kind of opened itself up to you and and a pessimist might look at that and just oh it's just coincidence just you know these things just happen you know whatever and if you choose that's okay you're allowed to have that view but it's like why not why not choose to open yourself up 
and you know seek out the color green as as you as you said seek out those moments that are mysterious and and accept the mysteriousness you know you're you're open to these ideas and uh, you know it, it's you look at it in a positive way and how you can benefit yourself and how, and those around you so I, I think that's that's a view i you know me personally i i, I do share some of those ideas i do share the ideas that like you know you, you kind of create the destiny create your world around you move in the direction you want to move in a positive way um, and you do it the way you do it. And, and you know, I, I think that's a great, great, great way to look at it as opposed to maybe taking, again, the, the the view that, well, you know, this is just all a coincidence, you know, nothing relates, it is what it is, you know, and because then what does that lead to, you know, that just leads to more pessimism. Um, yeah, that's, that's my take on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think I think you're absolutely right. I always tell people it's not my job here um, to get you to come to my side of the fence or the other side. And lots of times people will say, well, I think this is my loved one, or I think I'm getting this message, but I'm not sure. And how should I believe it? And I always say, well, it's not my job to get you to believe or not believe. That's your decision. Um, I just know my side of the fence is a happy place to live. And we get so many hours in this life. Why would I want to spend one hour unhappy and not um, looking at the, the gratitude and the grateful side of being here. Why would you want to be miserable and um, not believe? And I also think that so many people just miss the magic that can be right in front of them. And maybe they just want to logic everything. And I think there's so much in life that you can't be logic. You know, you've got to look at this for what it is, that there is some magic spinning around us that... Um, we don't know how it happens, but it does. Yeah, absolutely. And and just to, just to clarify what I said, but I, I just want to say that, like, you know, everybody has their personal beliefs and I respect everybody's beliefs in that order. You know, I, I don't I'm not saying one way is right or one way is not. Um, I'm just suggesting that there's certain things we don't know anything about. We don't know much about death because nobody's come back to us who's died and told us about it. Uh, we don't know a lot about a lot of different things. And um, I, I think, you, you know, the path that you've taken, uh, you know, I can see the value in that. And in, in obviously playing out in your life, especially with, you know, whether it's, you know, seeing signs from your son or, or, or your or the the uh, let's just say the uh, everything that uh, up to, up until you got your dog, um, <laughs> all those steps, all those things that you saw, um, it it's added it's added something positive to your life. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I don't, I agree with you totally. I respect everybody's belief. And, you know, it's one thing that we get to do in this life. We get to choose our own beliefs. And so that is very individual and personal. But I also have come to the conclusion that I don't believe there's accidents. You know, when my son called to tell me he was going to be a dad at a time in his life when he wasn't taking great care of himself in his own life, and I was petrified for him. And now looking back, I think there's a reason this baby's here, and that's because her daddy isn't. And so she's not an accident. She was absolutely supposed to be here, and she looks just like him, and she is a joy in my life. And so um, I tell everybody just, you know, take a breath when you think it's the end of the world or something has happened that you think is not good. Take a breath because it will play out in some way that you will look back and see, oh, now I get it. Now I understand why I had to go through that or why this happened or that happened. And um, again, follow the breadcrumbs and connect the dots. Absolutely. And, you know, we're really seeing a theme of love and gratitude uh, from you throughout this interview as well. Um, you know, mm -hmm. just, just in what you said, you've got a lot of love and, and definitely, you know, um, in some of the, the tips that you've given us about gratitude, um, I think that's important and, and really key for people to kind of absorb and take in. Um, so just wrapping up here, so running out of time a little bit, but we want to finish off with one last question that we'd love to ask on this podcast. And that is, if you could have a dream of your loved one uh, tonight, if you could kind of reap if you could create that dream, what dream would you want to have? Oh, that's easy. Of course, it would be my son. And my son gave the best hugs. In fact, 
people that knew him, that's another recurring thing that comes back about, oh man, his hugs, he just gave the best hugs. And it was like, you weren't just hugged, you were hugged <laughs> by JP, wow. by his whole soul. And so that would be my dream, that he would come to me and just hug me for hours because just feeling that again would be um, incredible. And you, you talk about the love and gratitude. It is why I wrote the book. At the end of each blog, I have a life lesson that I take. And so my book, the tips came from those life lessons and condensing. As you can tell, I like to talk and I like to write. So I can go on and on and condensing some of my thoughts and techniques and tips into snippets was um, a difficult process to do, but I'm pretty proud that I've done it. And the... Um, the response to that has been incredible yeah and and you know i think that's that's really vital in in today's society i think i think that's a great way that you did it you know writing a blog and then taking the, the i like to say juicy bits out of that and putting that into a book and, and and you know that's what we need we need like simple uh practical ways to kind of rejuvenate gratitude rejuvenate love in our life um, just uh, just to back up a little bit with the dream thing, we would like to hash out these dreams. But what what would he what would your son be wearing uh, in that dream? Oh, that's easy too. My son was a blue jean guy. He would be wearing blue jeans, and he was a uh, a big part of him. And I have talked a lot about his addiction, which I think was a very small part of my son. But he was a musician, and he played drums and played guitar, and he wrote songs on scraps of fast food napkins and things like that that I would find for years after he passed. So he would be wearing jeans and it wouldn't be uncommon for him to be wearing one of my dad's shirts because he loved my dad and he was funny. He didn't, my son was not materialistic. He didn't need to be, you know, the snappiest dresser in town. He liked to be comfortable and so it would be um, jeans could be one of my dad's shirts and maybe a um, flannel jacket or something over the top i like it and where would this dream take place where would you want to have it oh that you know there's a place in south dakota spearfish is a little town that we lived in and he loved it and there's a park in spearfish that he loved and he would sit there and play his guitar so it would probably be there cool. i like it you know just you guys seeing each other embracing you know in his world famous hugs um mm -hmm. i can feel it now and i really hope you feel that dream i i, I do hope not gonna lie i do hope yogi appears <laughs> um maybe just or, or spike as he <laughs> out of the corner just kind of runs runs in I, and and you know again I, I feel that loss as well i feel all your losses in your life and, and you're really you're a strong person you're a strong person in, in what you're saying and what, what you're talking about and uh you know just to wrap up do you want uh can you shout out all your connections and where people can get your book oh absolutely um i have a website pennyhunt.com and i like to spell it because my name is not common it's p-e-n-n-i-e-h-u-n-t.com and i'm on everywhere i'm on instagram and twitter and um, pinterest and all of those places and my blog can be found on my website and i'm also on facebook and post daily on facebook beautiful it's amazing and uh, i appreciate you coming on the podcast today to talk about your loss and things you've learned along the way and also the dreams and because they're really amazing so i was really happy to hear those i do have one question before we wrap up is has his daughter ever dreamt of him yet you know, not that she's told me. And, you know, it's a it's an interesting situation in that she was only nine months old when he passed. So she has no memory of him. And that's um, difficult. You know, it's just such a gift to have her. And she has his eyes. And I look at her in much, you know, I'm big on eyes. But I look in her eyes and I see him. And she loves horses and she's a little cowgirl like he was when he was little, which is another interesting connection. But she's not mentioned to me that she's ever had a dream about him. So I guess that's a good question for me to ask her. Yeah, because a lot of people don't share them unless asked. So because why I say that is because I had someone 
that contacted me and she uh, her father her father died while she was in the womb so she never got to meet him but she always um, sees him in her dreams every time she's stressed or anxious um, and they have a conversation and she gets advice so her bond with her father is based on these dream visits uh, more than the actual real life connections and so I, I was thinking maybe it has with same thing with his daughter because they never got a chance to really sort of have those conversations that most people get a chance to. Well, that's awesome. I You have me very curious now. So the next time I see her, I might have to broach that a little bit. Beautiful. Yeah. And let, let me know. Send me an email or, you know, um, or a post or something and uh, let me know what happens with that conversation. I will. And if I have that dream tonight about getting a hug, you'll be hearing from me tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, we know you're looking for breadcrumbs and you're open to these things. You know, you, you've got a you got a great personality and, and, and a really interesting vibe going on. And uh, it was a pleasure speaking with you, Penny. A pleasure to speak with both of you, too. And I thank you so much for inviting me on this podcast. All right. So we're just you're welcome. We're just going to wrap up here. Uh, you can please check out our platform at griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic. We added a donation button, and there are perks to those who donate, so definitely go ahead and do that. Uh, we would like to thank, so we would like to thank Bernadette Ram and Darwin Dave, our good pal Darwin, for donating recently. Thank you. If you have Facebook, you can join the Facebook group, uh, the Grief Dreams podcast group. You can join, you can, sh- excuse me, share your dreams or hear more dreams of others. We're on Twitter and Instagram, at Grief Dreams. And the children's book called Dreaming of Owl, authored by Joshua, can be found on Amazon. There are tips on how to talk to children about their about their dreams at the end. Uh, so with love and gratitude. Sorry, just one second. I messed that up. So we always like to end our podcast with love and gratitude from us to you. introduced myself you have introduced yourself this is a very good conversation